Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. We begin a brand new series today based on the words found in Micah, an Old Testament book, an Old Testament prophet. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. So the title of this series is Act Justly, Love Mercy, and Walk Humbly. And these words, the title of the series is taken straight out of Micah chapter 6, verse 8, which if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to find Micah chapter 6. Probably the best way to find Micah is to get to the New Testament book of Matthew and then turn back to the left a little bit. You'll pass a few books And eventually, you'll bump into Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He, speaking of God, has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? I want to pause there for a moment because I think that is a riveting question. What does the Lord require of you? And I would encourage everybody here to personalize that question. What does the Lord require of me? Does he require anything at all? Does such a list exist? And if it does, what does it contain? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? A great question. Well, here it comes. Here's the answer. And this is what Micah delivers for us. Here's what the Lord requires. To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I am beyond excited to begin this new series that will take us through the month of November with you. Very excited about walking through this. And this is a piece of scripture I have wanted to teach on for several years. And I don't know why I haven't done it. I have no good excuse to give you other than it just hasn't happened. But we're here now. And we're going to have a fabulous November thinking about how to do what the Lord requires. Act justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly. In doing my research on these words and in preparing for the month of November, I came across one scholar who said, this may be the most profound statement in the entire Old Testament. A remarkable statement. There's a lot of books in the Old Testament. There are a lot of words. There are a lot of verses. And at least one scholar who thinks this is the most profound statement in the Old Testament to... Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. One of the things we have been doing here in 2018, ever since we moved into our new home here, is we have had this theme of how can 2018 be our best year? Hopefully you've heard me talk about that a little bit. And we took it a step further and said, if we want this to be our best year, then we probably should pursue having our best spiritual year. And if we have our best spiritual year, well, indeed, maybe this will be our best year. 
And then throughout 2018, we have just been adding all kinds of different things to say, here's how you can have your best spiritual year. Well, it's November. There's a few weeks remaining in 2018 before we step into a new year. I want to add something else to the mix in terms of how we can have our best spiritual year. And what I want to add are the words of Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Let's begin today with a big idea. So please take out your talk notes and get a pen ready. Our big idea, which will frame the conversation, is the first challenge, and that is to act justly. We're going to take that right out of the text. Act justly. And what does that mean? What does that look like? And how can that become something that adds to this being my best spiritual year or my best year? We're going to think about this today. Act justly. Here's how we will approach this, just so that you have a sense of where we're going today. I want to spend some time thinking about Micah. He's a very interesting Old Testament prophet, and when we understand him, these words make a little more sense. And so we'll talk about Micah, and then I want to spend some time thinking about the word justice. We all probably have an idea of what that means, but from a biblical perspective, what does the word justice mean for us as followers of Christ? We want to do more than just talk about justice, though, right? That's okay to do, to talk about what does it mean, but we also want to ask this question because it's part of our big idea. How do I act justly? So we can talk about it, but how do we actually do justice? How do we implement that in our lives? So this is going to be very practical today. And my hope and my goal is that we all walk out of here with a sense of here's what I need to do to act justly because after all, right, this is what God requires. So if God requires it, then I want to know how to do it. So we'll ask and answer that question. And then we're going to wrap it all up. I have three takeaways to share with you. So Micah, the word justice, what does it mean? How do I act in a just way? And then we'll have some practical takeaways. By the way, we're also going to look at a very interesting passage in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah is another Old Testament prophet. He was a contemporary of Micah, and he has some things to say about justice as well. Okay, does this make sense? This is where we're going today. Let's think about Micah the prophet, a very interesting individual, probably just going about his life when one day God taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, Micah, I want you to go to my people, to your people. They're having a lot of problems and issues right now. They're not honoring me. They're not pleasing me. I need you to go to them And I want you to deliver a stern message of judgment. That's what I want you to do. And our best understanding is that Micah said, okay, that's what I'll go and do. If that's what God wants, then that's what I will do. So this is the very first thing we know 
about Micah the prophet is that God called him to do kind of a difficult thing. Here's what else we know about Micah, and here's how this comes together. Micah had a deep burden for the abuse of the vulnerable in his country. And what he observed and what he saw about how others were treating the poor went deeply bothered him. And so he begins to address that and to challenge that. God taps him on the shoulder. You go, deliver a stern message of judgment and tell my people, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. That's part of your task. And that worked so well with what was happening on the inside of Micah and what he was observing and how he was deeply disturbed, deeply disturbed by all of the injustice that he saw. Now, the book of Micah itself is quite interesting because it's broken up into three parts. The first part of the book, which it's only seven chapters, I'd encourage you at some point throughout the month of November to read through the book. I think you'd enjoy it. The very first part of the book of Micah is where Micah condemns the sins of his fellow countrymen. And that's what we see in the opening verses. And then in the middle part of the book of Micah, he delivers the punishment of God. If you don't stop, if you don't adjust your ways, if you don't act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly, here is the punishment that God will bring to you. So he's trying to warn them and help them to know that there is a way out of this punishment, but you have a responsibility in it, or here's what God will do. And he was very clear on that. The last part of the book is where Micah talks about the hope of redemption and being rescued. So three parts, the condemnation of sin, here's the punishment that is coming if you don't change, and then we have the hope of restoration. Micah prophesied during an intense period of social injustice. And we just need to know that because that helps us again to understand what's happening here. I made some notes in my research about what was happening in Micah's day, and here's what we discover. False prophets preached for riches, not for righteousness. That bothered God and bothered Micah. Princes, or the ruling class, thrived on cruelty, violence, and corruption. Priests, or the religious individuals, ministered more for greed than for God, and that's certainly a problem. But it wasn't just the princes and the priests. Other people like landlords stole from the poor and evicted widows. Businessmen used deceitful scales and weights. Sin had infiltrated every segment of society. A word from God was mandatory, and that's what Micah delivers. Now, if you're interested in history and dates, scholars tell us that Micah prophesied in approximately 735 to 710 B.C., so this all happened a long time ago. That's the context of Micah, the person, and the book. Let's think about the word justice for a moment. What does that actually mean? And here's what's interesting about the word justice. You find it all throughout Scripture. Over and over and over again, if you look, and sometimes we're not looking for this, but if you really dig and if you really search how the vulnerable are treated, 
the poor, the widows, the orphans, the homeless, these different groups, how they are treated is shockingly important to God. And so I can confidently stand before you today and say justice, vitally important to God. Social justice, the treatment of the vulnerable, vitally important to God. So much so, so much so, that here's what God does. He actually identifies with the vulnerable and he introduces himself as the God of the poor, the God of the orphans, the God of the widows and all of those who are marginalized. That's how he introduces himself. God says, I'm with them. I'm not with those at the top. I identify and introduce myself with those at the bottom, the vulnerable. Just so there's clarity, let's define vulnerable groups. It is those without economic resources or political power. And in the ancient world, especially, if you didn't have economic resources or political power, then you were at the bottom. And here's what makes this so fascinating. In the ancient world, the gods, if you know what I mean, the gods always identified with those at the top, those who had economic resources and political power. God was for them, God liked them, and that's why they were in that particular position. The reverse of that is also true. If you did not have economic resources or political power, then you were at the bottom and God probably didn't like you. God didn't want good things for you and that's why you were at the bottom. And everybody had this clear understanding in the ancient world, the gods are for those at the top, not for those at the bottom. (laughs) And this is what makes the God of the Bible so incredible and so amazing as we think about his grace that he extends to all of us. The God of the Bible, the creator, the inventor, the one who is overall and above all does not associate with those at the top. He identifies with those who are at the bottom and that made the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, very extraordinary in this time. It's remarkable. Now get this. God even prefers justice. And we want to keep thinking about this word. God even prefers justice over empty worship. Think about that. Justice over empty worship or people just kind of going through the motions and faking it, so to speak. God prefers that we would engage in justice over empty worship. And this is exactly what we find in Isaiah chapter one. So with your Bible... If you're in Micah, if you turn to the left a little bit more, you'll pass the book of Jonah. That's the story of Jonah and the big fish. And if you keep going a little bit more to the left, you'll pass some other remarkable books. And eventually you'll find Isaiah. There's a lot of chapters here. Isaiah chapter one is where I will read from this morning as we think about this word justice. Again, Isaiah, a contemporary of Micah. And so they're thinking about justice and what does this mean? So God prefers justice over empty worship. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 12. Isaiah is giving the words of the Lord, and he says, When you come to worship me, 
Who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. You kind of get the sense that this is an angry God here, right? Well, he was concerned about the posture of their hearts, which were far from him. He goes on to say in verse 14, I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. And how about this? When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. And here's what God wanted. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek, say the word with me, justice. Here it is, all of that. God's upset with all the pomp and circumstance and your empty worship and your prayers. I don't want any of that. I want you to wash yourselves, be clean, get rid of your sins. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Do justice. It is a word that is found pervasively in Scripture. Tim Keller, a writer and scholar, says this, the Bible is a book devoted to justice in the world from first to last. And the Bible gives us not just a naked call to care about injustice, but gives us everything we need, motivation, guidance, inner joy, and power to live a just life. The word justice, let's keep thinking about it because what does it mean from a biblical standpoint? Well, in Isaiah chapter one and in Micah chapter six, we find this Hebrew word for justice that is used. It's the Hebrew word mishpat. Mishpat. And what does that exactly mean? Well, various forms of mishpat are used over 200 times in the Old Testament. And in general terms, it has the idea of fairness. It's probably not a surprise to anybody. If you are going to administer mishpat, well, that means you're involved in the equitable treatment of people. You're doing what is just, and often we use the word fair just and fair, and that is a good biblical definition of the word justice or mishpat. But there is another meaning which is kind of fascinating, and you see this throughout scripture as well. Mishpat has the idea to share. So to be fair, certainly, but part of being fair means in giving justice to vulnerable groups, I may have to share. I may have to be generous. We see this used when Moses is addressing the people of God in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18. He, God, ensures that orphans and widows receive, say the word, justice. That's mishpat. 
So God ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. And then here's where we get the connection to sharing. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So here we have the equitable treatment of orphans and widows, but then there is a turnaround to say, don't forget to give to other vulnerable groups as well. Fairness and sharing. We also see this in Isaiah chapter 58, verse six. Is not this the fast that I choose? (laughs) So if you ever wanna go on a fast, and I know some people like to do that, well, how about this fast? to loose the bonds of injustice, to let the oppressed go free? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Well, here's the idea of sharing again. And bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them. Uniquely, justice has the idea of Fairness, the equitable treatment of people, which often leads to sharing, to generosity. So that's what the word justice means, okay? One thing to talk about it, how do we act justly? All right, fairness and sharing, that's all good, but how do we act? Well, I wanna share three thoughts with you. Number one, We act justly when we treat everyone as a person created in the image of God. Okay? No matter how we may feel about them, justice, mishpat, we're acting that way when we treat everyone as a person created in the image of God. All people created in the image of God. Okay? It's important for us to know. All people created in the image of God. All people created in the image of God. And when we act justly in recognizing that, I believe that's a very honoring thing to God. So we act justly when we treat everyone as a person created in the image of God. Secondly, we act justly when we help right wrongs in any way. And by the way, often when we think about justice, Mishpat, we're thinking about really big things, worldwide things. Often justice has the idea of the small things that we do for others. Let's not underestimate a small act of making something right. Thirdly, we act justly when we are generous, especially toward the poor and the vulnerable. I believe this kind of life reflects the character of God. So that's how we act justly, three different ways. By the way, if you embrace Christianity, and my guess is that's many people in the room today, if you embrace Christianity and say that that's what I am and that's my faith structure, at the heart of Christianity is justice. At the heart of it, mishpat, And it's one of the reasons why the early church grew so much when it was birthed because they were crazy about justice and they were actually doing it. So if you claim to be a Christ follower, the very heart of that is justice. 
I was reading recently about a historian and sociologist by the name of Rodney Stark. Rodney's done a lot of research on the growth of the early church in the Roman Empire. And part of his research led him to understand that there were many epidemics, many health issues that invaded the Greco-Roman world during that particular time. And it just devastated people groups, just wiped them out completely. They couldn't survive. They didn't have medicine and they didn't have the type of care we have today to overcome these things. So vast epidemics. And it was often the Christians who stepped forward to administer justice to those in need. So much so that Rodney Stark began to look for leaders who would speak about this. One leader at the time was Roman Emperor Julian, and here's what he said. The impious Galileans, the Christians, support not only their poor, but ours as well. Everyone can see that our people lack aid from us. (laughs) Those Christians, they're just doing it. Here's another leader of the time. His name is Dionysius. And he said, during the great epidemic, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The pagans behaved in the very opposite ways. At the first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled even from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead. These are pretty intense historical examples, but it demonstrates that at the heart of Christianity in its early stages was justice. Let's run into the mess while everyone is running away from it. So if you claim to be a Christian at its core, justice. Now, maybe you're here and you don't believe in Christianity. If that's you, I want to thank you for coming to Valley Point Church today. And I want you to know that this is a safe place for you to question, for you to investigate, for you to discover. This is a safe place for you. But you need to know as well. At the heart of Christianity is justice. That's the core of who we are. Now, a lot of Christians don't act that way, and that's a whole separate issue and a problem, but at the core of Christianity is justice. Okay, let's walk through some takeaways. Number one, allow social concerns to change your personal lives. Okay? Allow social concerns to change your personal lives. My observation is that most people are going to say yes to this. You know, being fair, being equitable to people, being generous. Yes, 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 of course. We're supposed to be doing these things. But do we actually do it? And this is something I'm asking myself as I have been researching the context of Micah and what happened here and how he speaks to the mistreatment of the vulnerable. I'm asking myself these questions. Do I inconvenience my schedule 
And do I inconvenience my wealth for the sake of the vulnerable? Do I? Again, I think everybody's pretty big. Yeah, we need to help people. But do we actually inconvenience schedules and wealth to demonstrate mishpat? I would encourage you to wrestle with that as we walk through this series, as I am asking those questions of myself as well. Can I encourage you, though? I see a lot of justice happening within our faith community, and it is so encouraging. Just recently, we had a group return from Russia, and we spent time with a missionary there who was incredible and doing the work of justice, and our team went and served orphans. That's justice. A few weeks ago, we had a collection for the Siloam Food Pantry that serves families with food needs right here in our communities. And so many people participated in that and dropped off a few items. If you're doing that, justice. It's great. A few weeks ago, we had a group go to Urban Promise, and they served the vulnerable in downtown Wilmington. That's justice. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of sitting down with a friend and we shared a great meal together and he began to talk to me about how he has these skills. He has these abilities and he talked about how I want to serve the vulnerable with this skill set and I want to help them in every way possible and can you help me get started? And I thought that was a delightful conversation. Somebody who is concerned about taking what they have and even inconveniencing themselves for the sake of justice. Justice is happening all around this faith community and we need to continue to find ways to allow social concerns to change our personal lives. Join me in the journey of inconveniencing ourselves so that we can help those who are vulnerable. Second takeaway, do not miss Sunday, November the 11th. That's a week from today. If you call Valley Point home, honestly, look, I I want you to be here. It's going to be a very special day. As we do more than just talk about justice, we're going to implement a way to act. And here's what's, that's, what that's going to look like next week. You're, you're going to love it. We have four leaders coming from four different organizations, two that are foreign and two that are local. And they're going to share their heart and their work. And they are all doing incredible things regarding vulnerable people around the world and right here. And we're going to get to talk to them and hear from them And then we're going to engage with our year-end Christmas initiative in serving them as they serve the vulnerable, and we're going to inconvenience ourselves in order to do that. That is next week. You're going to be inspired. I think you're going to be so encouraged with this plan of how we can act justly with and through them. And so, again, if Valley Point is your home, please do not miss next Sunday. It's going to be incredible. Okay, that's my tease. Be here next week, please, okay? Number three, participate in love days. As a church, we're trying to provide everybody with an on-ramp or a way to act justly. And 
we have a love day just about every month of the year. We make it simple, honestly, for you just to come and participate and mishpat, do the work of justice. It's really simple. And so as we think about how we need to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly, we have some incredible days coming in November and December where you can do just that. So let me give you a couple of dates. Sunday, November the 18th. That's going to be a day where we collect things for the Sunday breakfast mission in downtown Wilmington who are serving the vulnerable. We're also going to serve a family that just lost their home to a fire. That's a local family. We're going to serve them as well. There's a flyer in your program that describes all of that and how you can participate. That's on Sunday, November the 18th. We're going to ask you to bring some things. That might seem too simple. It's not. It's not. When we engage in this, justice. We're acting in a just way. And I think it puts a smile on the face of God and it reflects his character. It's what it does. Here's another date, Saturday, December the 15th. That's going to be a Saturday serve day where we take a couple of hours and we go out and serve and love without expecting anything in return. Here's the deal with that. December the 15th, that's a terrible date to do something like this. Let's just keep it real. That's 10 days before Christmas, a terrible time. So, Let's inconvenience ourselves, right? Because that's justice. Let's inconvenience our schedules and think less about ourselves and all the stuff that's happening, which all that's good, that's fine. But let's inconvenience ourselves to act justly. Why do we do all of this? Well, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. We've taken time today to think about Micah as an author, as a prophet. We've talked about the meaning of justice, fairness, and generosity. We've talked about how to act, and we've given some practical takeaways. May God give us the strength now to act justly. Father, we are so thankful for who you are and for the clarity you provide. We're trying to figure out what does God want us to do? That's a question we should be asking and uniquely it's outlined for us. You give it to us in your word and we're thankful for that and what we've discovered today is we need to act justly God at the heart of the church at the heart of Christianity is this call to do that God I'm going to confess to you today that I don't often inconvenience myself enough to serve the vulnerable, those without economic resources and those without political power. I just don't do it. And so I'm feeling challenged as the people in Micah's day were challenged to say, I've got to look up 
and out. That I have to inconvenience myself to serve the vulnerable. And it seems like it's always inconvenient to do that, always. But I pray that you'd help me to take good steps. And God, I ask the same thing for our faith community right here. That we would be known as the church that does stuff. And not known for doing stuff for sake of recognition, but we do stuff because we love Jesus. And we want to follow the example that he has provided to touch and to reach and to lift and to welcome and to give. So God, I pray that you give us all a good week now. And as we step out to where we live, work, and play, help us to act justly. Help us to do that, knowing that it reflects you. And it's what you require. So help us to step into that with joy this week. I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.